0: We're gonna go into uh, Colossians this morning as we've been walking through this as a church and just gonna give you a little history, a little reminder about the book itself. Um, We're talking, this book was written um, by Paul. It was written around 62 AD. So it wasn't written that long after Christ had ascended back up into heaven. I mean, AD 62, so this is still right around that time of when Christ walked this earth. And um, it was written to the church at Colossus. Which was about uh, about a hundred miles east of Ephesus. Um, the leader at that time wasn't Paul himself. They they even say that he probably hadn't even visited that church, but he had leaders that were part of that that were coming back and giving him information about that. And it was Epaphras was the one that was leading the church at the time. And so Paul is writing to the church at Coloss from prison. Okay, he's writing to them after he's heard what is going on there. He's writing to them from prison itself. And he was reminding them, and Jody shared on this, about the supremacy of Christ, the importance of Christ. You know, the church had had taken this huge shift and, and a huge change had happened of going from the law. Because now Christ had came and walked among the people. He had, he had been here. And so now it was being changed from the law into this hope that they had in Christ Jesus. And that hope we're going to talk about this morning. And what was happening at the Church of Colossus, they were getting wrapped up in all these different things that were happening. They were, they were being drawn by the Christian teaching about Christ, about his death on the cross, about his resurrection. But they were still holding on to Jewish traditions. A lot of the Jewish traditions that had gone on for hundreds and hundreds of years were still gripping the church. And the last thing is, is pagan philosophy started to ch- creep in there. And so it was, it was like a lot of things that happened and, and really John hits on it in Revelations about how the church um, is so easily, if you take a little bit of truth and sprinkle in all these other things, it can be something that is believable. And so Paul was trying to get them back to the truth about um, what, they, what they really believe. And so my title for this morning is called The Mystery. The mystery and it's found in Colossians and it says you know, in this before we get to reading, it says, Who here likes a good mystery? Do you guys like a good mystery? Yeah. I know it probably in our family it's it's our favorite genre of movies to watch. Except for my son Xander. If it's not sports, hunting, or the man from Snowy River, he doesn't want to watch it. <laughs> And that, he narrows it down to that. Um, but the rest of our family, we love watching the mysteries. PBS Mystery, when you hear it start up the music, our family can almost, it's almost like we all just run in. Even the lady that's laying on top of the building crying out with a little blue handkerchief that drives us crazy. <laughs> we all like, oh, it's PBS Mystery today. So we're going to watch that. So we've watched things from Inspector Lindley to Morse to Sherlock to Poirot to Marple to Lewis and on and on. Um, even some of the detective or, or mystery-type shows of, um, you know, we like Death in Paradise or the little goofy one called Psych um, that would solve these these mysteries or these um, cases that were going on. Um, and the other thing that we like is there was a show called The Carbonaro Effect. I don't know if you've seen that. He's a magician, Carbonaro. Did I say it wrong? Carbonaro. And he, he's this magician. He does these things that just blow your mind, and you're just like, what? In how in the world did he do that? You know, how had to be they stopped the television, and, and you know, it's all the filming in there. But then there was another show that came out and, and they would do these magic, these great magic tricks that had been going on for, for, you know, ever, and they would show you how they were done. And they would reveal the mystery behind these. And you're just like, oh, now I see it. And so when they do the trick again, you're like, oh, that's not very good. You know, I know what's going on there. It's not that, that amazing to me. So we're going to talk about a mystery here. We're going to jump into Colossians chapter one. So if you have your Bible app or if you have your Bible with you, I brought two, so I'm really special. Um. yeah, the more Bibles you have, the more spiritual you are. I don't know if you knew that. So yeah, so I only brought two today. Um, but we're going we're gonna to be reading from Colossians chapter 1, um, verses 24 through 29, talking about this mystery, this mystery that Paul is talking about. And we're going to start in verse 24, and we're going to walk through this a little bit and, and explain this to you. But this, in verse 24, he starts off saying, now I rejoice in what was suffered for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So again, remember that Paul is writing this letter from prison and he says he's rejoicing in his suffering. I mean, who does this? Who rejoices in their suffering? And why was he, why was he rejoicing? For the sake of the church. Not for his own sake, not for what he was getting out of this, but for the sake of the church. You know, we like to take things written in Scripture that are easy to swallow or easy to follow but we don't think some things really have to pertain to us. You know, we'll take, God will bless me. Yeah, I like that one. I'll take that one. Or God loves me. But the suffering part, or the persecuted part, or give my life part, we kind of don't like those as well. You know, and so the, here, here's Paul rejoicing. So who here rejoices in their suffering? I mean, not many of us. You know, we may, we may rejoice in other people's suffering, right? I remember my phone blowing up when the Broncos beat the Steelers, you know? <laughs> All these people rejoicing in my suffering, you know, and, and wanting to let me know about it. But it's easier to rejoice in some, not, not that we're like happy that bad things are happening, but it's really hard for us to, to rejoice when we go through these sufferings. And, and especially, you know, here Paul is saying, I'm, I'm not even suffering for myself, I'm suffering for the churches out there, and I'm rejoicing in that suffering. So he goes on um, in verse 25, as we continue reading, um, I have become its servant, By the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. Or the ESV puts it this way uh, to make the Word of God fully known. So we break that verse down, it starts off saying, I, Paul, a servant of the church, was what? He was commissioned by God. Commissioned by God to do what? To present the Word of God. To present the Word of God. Nothing more. And, And even myself, you know, as a servant of the church, Someone that was was commissioned by God as a young person, I, I, junior in high school, being called, knowing that at that time, God was calling me into the ministry. He, I was going to leave my home of, of Utah, the, really the only place I'd ever known, and go to Louisiana for one place, to go to school. And then from there up to, even worse, Minnesota, uh, from one debauchery to the other. <laughs> Just kidding. So from Louisiana up to Minnesota to go to college and, and to, to start to study and be a part of... Um, a Bible training to, to move into ministry it was this commission there and why was the purpose of this? It wasn't for the accolades it wasn't for anything else but what Paul is saying here is to present the word of God to present the word of God and then he continues on and this is where we're going to get into the meat of what we're going to talk about and this is the mystery, this is the mystery that he's talking about in verse 26 and this is the mystery um, got to put my glasses on to see it The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed for the saints. So this mystery here is is now being disclosed for the saints to know what's happening. He's he's saying, the church of Colossus, I want to share this mystery with you. And the word mystery in itself in the Greek is mysterion. Um, Our English word for mystery implies this, that there's a secret that people have been trying to uncover, but have failed to do so. So in English, that's what mystery means. But mystery in the Greek here means something differently. It says, in the Greek, it's something previously unknown, but God has disclosed it to his people. And he's done this through Jesus' death and resurrection. God revealed the mystery of his redemptive plan that involves everyone. And so we're stuck right there, and we can say, okay, that's the mystery, but then Paul continues on. And he's trying to uh, let the church know this is what happened. He says, okay, this, this mystery is there, but now I'm going to reveal this mystery to you. It's just like that show I talked about. It's, it's one thing to see the trick, but it's the next thing to say, okay, now I'm going to reveal how this was done. I'm going to, I'm going to show you what this mystery is all about. So he goes on in verse 27. And he says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. And here's the key right here, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So the Gentiles like us struggle with this because they were so used to a similar phrase. They weren't used to the Christ in you. They were used to more of a phrase that says Christ and us. Christ and us instead of Christ in us. And so there was an illustration that I saw and I, I loved it and I kind of adapted a little bit and I had my son help me a little bit to kind of give you this understanding of the Christ and us and the Christ in us. And so he's gonna bring the, the first box up here. And this is you, right? Um, this, this represents us and who we are, all right? So we have you that is right here, and what happens with us is we become controlled by our sin. So our next box is our sin. Okay, so we have our sin here, and because we're controlled by our sin is that we think that we are only seen through our sin, okay? So people only see us through our sin. Hopefully you can still see me. I'm not hidden too much. People can only see us through our sin. This is us as we struggle to become a better person. And in that struggle, we usually struggle with certain sins in our life, and we work so hard to fix that area of our life. And so we're struggling in certain sins in our life, and so we strive to try to get rid of that sin. And we do everything possible to get rid of that sin, saying, I, if I can just get rid of that sin, I will be so much closer to God. And so we we, we put forth the effort and we do so well for for a couple weeks, a couple months then all of a sudden we fall back into our sin. Because we're identifying with our sin, we're identifying with that. And sometimes, you know, as we do this for a week, we have this idea, we get stuck in the mindset that holiness is the absence of sin. If I could just get rid of all the sin in my life, I would be so holy. And God would accept me so much more, so I'm gonna work so hard and do all the right things to get rid of the sin in my life. But yet we're still seeing through our sin. We're still seen through our sin and, and we identify through our sin or our past. And and it's hard for us to let go of that, of the identification of we can only be seen through our sin. So we work so hard at battling our sin to become holy, and we cry out to God and we keep failing until we hit rock bottom. You know, and I, I use this illustration this week of, of how we try to work on our, our outward appearance so everybody can kind of see how good we are. And I, I shared this with the young people, the teenagers this week, and used an example that a couple of them will never forget. And I had two pieces of cake that were set up on a, on a platform, and they had to come up, and I had two kids, and they had to see who could eat the cake first. And so I had two of them were just like gung-ho, and they were gonna eat this cake, and they couldn't use their hands. And I said, go, and they started digging in, and all of a sudden you heard the, disgusting noises because it was all it was, was very pretty decorated frosting on the outside, but on the inside, it was raw spam, <laughs> all right, and it was weird because the whole smell of the spam was covered by the frosting, and you didn't really get the smell of it until they bit into it and almost released that smell, and you're like, oh, people in the back row were like gagging, and they weren't even the ones that tasted it, and, and the whole idea in that is, is we can cover the outside to look so well. And yet on the inside, we're still dying away. Why? Because we're still trying to fix our sin. We're still trying to get to that. And, and this is what Paul was trying to tell the church at this time. Because they were working so hard to try, to try to deal with this sin because it was Christ and us instead of Christ in us. So this is the Christ and us mentality, which leads to exhaustion, feeling defeated, bitter, angry, frustrated, abandoned. There's guilt But when you compare it to Christ in us mentality, which says this, not that holiness is the absence of sin, but holiness is the presence of God. Holiness is not the absence of sin, but the presence of God. And each of us can achieve that, the presence of God in our life. If we spend as much time fighting for the presence of God as we do fighting against our sin, we would have a lot less sin. The more you fight for Christ in you, the less of a grip sin will have on you. Not only will your life be changed, but the lives around you will also be affected. I mean, how powerful is that? When we get so self-focused on us, who's the center of, of, of this tub right here, and our sin is all around us and we're fighting for that, it's all about us, because we're trying to get rid of that sin. But when things, things start to change and we take this tub of, of sin and we take ourselves out of that sin through Jesus Christ and put Jesus Christ in us, Right, Walmart loves me. <laughs> so now, now we are seeing how we're seen as 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 Christ in us. Does not mean we'll, we'll never sin again, but now we have Christ in us, and we have Christ is 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 how we're being seen is right here. So. We're not controlled or identified by our sin. I'm going to read in Romans. This is why I brought the extra Bible, because I like how it's put in the ESV. But Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, it's put this way. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. In fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So here, here in Romans it's stating that, that it's Christ in you, just as Paul is stating to the church at Colossus. This means putting to death the sinful nature. This was talked about last week in Colossians 1, verses 21 through 22, where it says, once you were alienated from God, meaning once you were separated from God in your sin. But then it goes on, it says, but God, and you were enemies in your minds because of the evil behavior, but, and I always tell the young people, it's all about that big but, Right? to try to get it in their mind and as you're reading through scripture there's things that are said and all of a sudden that but's thrown in there and it's saying you know one, at one time you were identified by your sin you were identified by the things that you did wrong but he, he goes on and he says this but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusations you're no longer identified by your sin you're identified by Christ. So it's Christ in you. And then if you sneak ahead, and I know that we're going to be talking uh, a little bit more, um, we're going to continue on in, in Colossians, but as Paul's writing this letter, you have to understand the whole context of the letter. And so as he goes on, he really emphasizes this more um, in chapter three, as, as he says this in verses five through nine, and he explains how this is, comes into place in verses five through nine. He says, you need to put to death, therefore, Whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in your life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. Okay, So he's, he's, he's putting these, all these things, these are the things that we need to put to death. These are the things that we need, to what I call the put-offs. you got to put these things off in your life. you got to start to strive towards this holiness that Christ has in us. So here we are, Christ in us. And then in Romans, he goes on, again, I'm going to read from the ESV in verses 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, his spirit that dwells in you, that gives you this life, that helps you to strive through this, that helps you walk through these things, and it's Christ's spirit in us. Because of Christ, we no longer are defined by our sin. You know, we're, we're heading this summer, we're going to snow camp in two weeks, and we do it here in Utah, and for the first time, we're deciding to take the kids to Colorado for our summer camp, and it's a camp that 40 years, that was the first time that I went there as a young kid. And so we're going back to this camp. Um, but as, as, a, as a leader, I went back to this camp and I was helping run this camp in Colorado that we're taking these kids to. And, and they had this ropes course. And I remember all the young people saying, you got to do the ropes course. It's so awesome. And so I said, okay, I'll do this. And, and I get over there and they want to put this harness on me. So I put the harness on. I strap myself in um, for the safety of it. And then they point to this, this, this pole. It's like a telephone pole. And there's no branches on it. It's just this really tall pole, and it has a little tiny platform that is not even as big as this thing, Um, this little thing right here that you have to climb up onto. So it has these little pegs that you walk up this this pole, and then when you get to the top of it, you have to somehow climb up on top of this little ledge, and there's nothing to hold onto. You just climb up there. And so... um, I got up there and you're hooked into a harness because we're trying to keep it safe. And I got up and finally got on this platform and the whole thing, because it's just a pole, there's nothing else to it. And it's kind of like wiggling around and your knees are already buckling a little bit. And I'm like, why am I doing this? And all the kids are cheering me on. I'm like, I'm going to kill you when I get down. <laughs> um, but I'm on this and, and the guy down below who's holding the, the, the rope that's supposed to be my safety um, says, now I want you to jump. And across from me is like a, a bar that he wants me to jump and grab onto. And I'm looking at that and saying, okay, I might be able to do this, but I've seen other people fail, but I'm like, I got to run, I got to jump from here, just jump and grab onto this bar and then hold onto it. And, and he's like, I got you, I, I got you. And so I do that, I jump and I grab onto the bar and I don't fall and I'm like, yes, that is awesome. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm holding onto a bar and there's nothing, no way of getting down. And then the, the guy down below that's holding the rope says, now I want you to let go. And I'm looking at him and I'm going, okay, I outweigh you by 50 pounds. And if I let go, it's going to be like the cartoons where you go up and I go down. <laughs> and, and that was the fear that was going on. And he's like, no, you need to let go. So all these things are processing in my mind of, of what's going to happen if I let go. And I let go, and sure enough, I'm safe getting down. And yet Christ calls us to, to the same thing. As we're living in him, there's a point that we have to let go of everything we're trying to hold on to, whether it's our sin, whether it's having control of everything. And God is saying, I need you. For me to live inside of you, you have to let go. You have to put your faith and your trust in me. It may, may not look like everything's gonna pan out, just like I was looking at this young guy down there going, this is not gonna happen, but yet it did. I was safe in, in, in the hands of, of this young man, but it's the same thing God is saying that you, you'll be safe inside of me. So we are no longer a reflection of our sin, okay? We're no longer a reflection of our sin, but we're a reflection of Christ living in us. John 17, verses 20 through 26 puts it this way. My prayer, and this is Jesus' prayer for all believers. Okay, this is Jesus' prayer. This is what Jesus Christ is praying for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity. To let the world know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you have loved me. And the key verse right there. I in them. And you in me. And why? So that they can be. So that the world will know that you have sent me. So why does Christ live in us? Not just so we can have a great life not so we can just have the best life now, but Christ is living in us, so why? So the world around us will know that there's hope and glory. So the world around us will know that that I don't have to live or be identified by my sin, that I could be identified by Christ living in me, by Christ in me. John Piper said it this way, he is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Would people want the Jesus You portray on the inside of you? Would Jesus want the Jesus that you that portray on the inside of you? So not only are we in Christ, but the last tub I have here my helpers almost fell asleep (laughs) is is that that we are now seen just as Christ said, not only am am I in in you, but you are in me. So now we are, are seen as a reflection not only of Christ in us, but of God, the hope and glory. And so when people see us coming, they're not gonna see our sin. They're not gonna see anything else. They're gonna see Christ in us. They're gonna see the God, the hope and the glory of us. So why is it important for Christ to be in us and for us to be in Christ? Again, as it was stated in John, so the world will believe. And he even states this in Colossians verses 28 and 29, is we proclaim him, Admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may be present, that we may present everyone perfect in Christ. To this end I labor, struggling with all his energy, which so powerfully works in me. So how do we do this? How do we how do we continue with God in us? Well, we're gonna cheat a little bit and sneak ahead again to Colossians chapter three and read verses eleven. The second part of verses eleven, I say eleven B. Through verse 17, this is how we did. Here, there is no Greek, it goes on, it says, but Christ is all, and is what? In all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father in him. So here we are, and I want to ask yourself this morning, why am I here? Am I here to be happy, or am I here to glorify God? Am I here to glorify God? There's a preacher that uh, his son would travel with him as he would go to churches and speak, and there's one church he went into, and and there was an older gentleman that had walked in, and as uh, his dad was preaching at the end of the, the sermon, this older gentleman raised his hand to come to Christ. And The young man went with his father and they prayed for this older gentleman. This older gentleman just began to cry and weep because for the first time he experienced Christ in him. And he experienced this freedom of knowing Christ. But then his weeping turned from a sadness of, or a happiness of his life being changed to kind of this sadness. And he started making this phrase, I've wasted it. I've wasted it. And the young man was like trying to figure out what was going on and they they gathered around and asked him what he was talking about and the man was realizing that now he had so little time to share his newfound freedom because he had just found Christ in him. And so at a very young age, this this young man decided that he didn't want to ever, ever say those words. I've wasted it, I've wasted it. So I want to remind you of the mystery we talked about this morning and our prayer of what it does in your life. We choose which box we go out in the morning in or in the evening. We choose, are we gonna go out in our sin? Are we gonna choose to walk out in our sin and the things of this world that had a grip on us? Are we gonna choose, as Christ is in us, to to walk out in God himself? Walk out in God himself. So, this is my prayer that, that it brings changes in, in the words that I shared with you this morning. These three things, first of all, that it brings a head change. We now know what it means to have Christ in us and that, and that truth impacts our lives. We now have a heart change to feel encouraged to pursue Christian maturity and how he wants to be seen through your life. Don't wait until you become like that old man crying out, I've wasted it. And then the last thing I call is the life change. To act in a way that reflects that Christ is in us. And I took the word act itself and I said, okay, how should that, how should that be seen? It should be seen in our attitude. It should be seen in our character and in our testimony. And so as I have the mission team come up and we said that we we're going to have them share and they're going to sit in front of me real quick as, as we continue this on. And we're going to show you a video. But the whole idea of the missions team is that they didn't go as great pastors or great orators or great speakers but they went with christ in them they went to be a reflection of god in whatever they did whether it was feeding in a village or 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 just praying for people or working on the orphanage or whatever it is it was christ being seen in them and yet it doesn't have to be a mission trip for christ to be seen in you christ is calling every one of us to a mission field and just as we read, is why is Christ in us? So the world will know that Jesus Christ lives, and Jesus Christ can forgive their sins. And so we're going to watch just a quick little video, and then a few of these guys are going to share how God impacted them and how God used them in powerful ways on this mission strip. So watch this video.
1: You-
2: Pretty awesome, right? Oh my gosh! hi everyone. Um, hello family uh, for those who don't know who I am, my name is Noah. Um, I had the privilege uh-huh. of taking these guys out and growing with them and being blessed by them in the Philippines and uh, it was it was an amazing journey um, God worked in mighty ways and i'm going to call some of these guys up one by one just to have them tell you how god impacted them individually so first can we have sarah do you want to come on up yeah, sarah. let's hear for sarah guys
1: okay.
3: hi i'm sarah <laughs> Um, So, one thing that, like, really impacted me in the Philippines was, like, mainly the people and their faith. Um, There was a little girl that um, I gave my Bible to, and, like, she didn't really understand English, but um, Sarah Clickman and I were, like, reading a verse with her, and every time, like, Sarah would say the word, like, God or Jesus, like, her face would just light up, and, like, that was just so amazing. And, um... She was, like, really shy, and then I walked away, and I felt like God was telling me, like, to, like, look back, to, like, see her faith, and she was, like, showing everybody around her, and her face just lit up, and, like, she looked like she was about to cry, and I was just, like, it was crazy how much we take for granted. Like, we just have our phone, like, and we can just look at the Bible, or we leave, like, our Bible on a bookshelf, yet she was, like, her faith was so strong before she even had the Bible, you know, like, She knew the word of Jesus. Like, it was crazy. And um, before that, I was too afraid to, like, give anybody the Bible. I was like, I don't think I can do this. And Sarah's like, I think the person you're supposed to give the Bible to is here. And and it was that little girl. And I was too afraid to do it. But then I was like, you know what, God, I'm just going to do it. And, like, if I didn't listen to him, I never would have got that experience. And so it was
2: really fun. (laughs) Praise the Lord, right? step you out in faith. Miranda, Man-Randa. <laughs>
4: I'm Man-Randa. Just kidding. I'm Miranda. Telling
2: the story behind Man-Randa.
4: Basically, my muscles are so big that they just <laughs> call me Man-Randa. I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> but um, on the missions trip, well, kind of leading up to it, I've, like, my whole life, I've kind of struggled with, like, what people think of me and kind of, like, trying to have, like, I don't know, trying to, like, impress people or whatever. Anyway, so leading up to the missions trip, I was, like, really worried about myself and, like, what I'm going to be able to do there and, like, like I don't know, kind of, like, putting a lot of pressure on myself. And I just felt like God had put, like, a verse on my heart. Can I share a verse yeah. in the church? Yeah. <laughs> just kidding. So it's in Matthew um, 28... 19 through 20. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And the last part really stuck with me because it took a lot of... It kind of changed my perspective on the whole trip. Um, Going there and serving, it's easy to get caught up in what you're doing. Um, But it was like God was showing me, like, you're doing this for me. Like, it's not about you. It's not about... The people, like us as people, going and doing it, but like doing it to glorify Him and bring glory to Him. So that's one thing He spoke to me. I mean, the trip was amazing, and the people there were really cool. But yeah, Amen. So awesome.
2: Thank you. That's an awesome reminder as to why we do the things that we do for the kingdom, and that's for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Rebecca, huh? huh? okay.
5: Rebecca. So I really don't like going on stage, but. Woo! <laughs> yeah but stepping out in faith. Okay. Um, so kind of what Miranda was saying, like God was telling me, um, this trip is not about you. Um, it's about the people around you and, um, and what God's going to do in your life. And I was just like, what is he going to do with me here? And so, um, I don't remember what night it was, but we were having the healing crusade. But the night before I showed a couple people, my song that I wrote, Um, And they're like, you should share it at the healing crusade. And I was like, no, I'm not going to share my, you know, I'm not going to do that. I can't even sing in front of two people. Um, But uh, before then I was getting really bad anxiety and uh, Miranda prayed with me and I kind of felt like all this relief come off me and, um, and off my shoulders. So then that time came and, um, God really had me in his arms and he told me, you know, you can do this and. God's got this, and just sing, and it's not for anybody else, just glorify me, and I was like, okay, so that's what I did, and it was the best experience of my life,
2: yes. it was so awesome, um, Hannah, come on up girl, while she's coming up, let me sure, really quickly, I got really sick halfway through the trip, and we were all sleeping on cots in the sanctuary, where all the music equipment was. So I'm there on my deathbed, and Kevin and Rebecca and a couple other people are playing music, and half of me was thinking to myself, why are you in here when I'm trying to sleep? But then the other half was like, okay, it's fine. And then I hear Rebecca sing, and I, I personally, having known her for so long, I haven't even heard, haven't, uh, heard her sing before. And I got up, and I was like, oh. And I heard her sing, and then I said to the Lord, all right, Lord, my life is complete. I can die now. Take me. He, I'm still here, so he didn't take me, but still. It was amazing.
6: Hi, I'm Hannah. Um, so for me, it was super cool to be able to fellowship with the team there. There was a, y- a lot of young adults down there. Um, one of them that I connected with, her name is Reese. Um, one day, we were at a coffee shop, and we were just talking, and Miranda and I were talking about um, my draw- one of my drawings, and Reese was like, "Oh, you do those drawings? I have all of them saved on my computer." And I was like, "What?" And so we con- I connected with her like pretty fast. And then on the last day, um, I felt like God was saying like, "So I I brought my Bible and then I brought another Bible." And uh, my Bible, I like it's really creative. I have like stickers and I've drawn like a lot of lettering in it. So um, she saw my Bible that day, and she's like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. And then I felt like God was saying, like, give her your Bible. And I was like, what? That's my baby. And <laughs> so then I was like, okay. So I was like, this is going to be cool because she, and then Miranda told me, she was like, oh, yeah, Reese like was talking about how she like would like an, like a different Bible than the one that she had. And so I was like, yes, I'm giving it to Reese. So I gave it to her, and she was like, For me, and I was like, yeah. And then when we left, um, she had like she was like bawling, and she was like Hannah, thank you so much. And now she still sends me pictures and videos, and she's always like, thank you again. And so now she draws in it, and it's really cool.
2: Awesome. Awesome. All right, you two, come on up. This is Waverly and Josh, my sister and
7: dear (laughs) brother-in-law, whom I love both of them so much. Sorry, Noah got me sick the last day, so <laughs> his fault. <laughs> okay, I actually have one verse to share as well. Um, so it's James one twenty seven says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted uh, by the world. <clears throat> so I felt like that was just kind of a verse... Uh, that stuck with me throughout the whole trip, uh, in the Philippines, kind of one of the main religions out there is Catholicism. And we saw huge cathedrals and like really nice churches in these poverty stricken neighborhoods. And, um, a lot of them are really known for just kind of abusing the communities there, um, taking a lot of their money and tricking them into, um, really just giving them funds for who knows what, um, (laughs) And it's funny, when we uh, went to Morong, one of the church plants out there, um, really we just had a a bowl of food and were singing and kids were coming there after school. And before we knew it, we had like 50 kids there. And this is a church plant that had like 10 people in it, but there was like 60 kids that we were feeding. And (laughs) it was crazy because the community just saw this this place as uh, a refuge for the orphans. You know, it, it's where the, the kids could find food and, you know, find shelter. And I don't know. It just, like, it hit me really hard that day that this is what Jesus would be doing if he was there. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it was just impactful, and it, it changed me. Like, because coming back here, obviously, we have a lot of um, religion in Utah. Um, but what does God approve? What does God want in our religion? It's just taking care of the orphans, taking care of the widows. You know, it's, it's Jesus' heart. So that's what impacted me.
2: Amen. Awesome. Woo! Wow. That's awesome. Come on, Okay.
7: Oh, oh,
2: Brianna. Come on up, girl. Woo! You all right? You okay? Yeah.
1: That, like, sums up the trip. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, going out there, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, But I learned a lot of lessons, and I really grew in my faith while I was out there. And I want to share just, like, two of the things I learned. And one of them is living our life with purpose. Um, Pastor Kevin, before we would go out to our feedings or evangelizing, he would just remind us of Ephesians 5 and um, living our life pleasing God. And not to worry about the day-of-day things and worrying about what other people think of us. But really, like, um, wanting to please Him in everything we do. And I feel like God was teaching me that before I left the missions trip. Um, When I was preparing for the missions trip, I felt in my heart that I needed to do this. Um, But I made up all these excuses on why I couldn't go. Like, I'm a single mother who would watch my daughter... How would I afford it? And one of the big excuses I made was, you know, I don't know the Bible through and through, so how would I even be able to evangelize these people and make a difference? But, you know, the Lord just kept putting in my heart that he just wants us willing. And you saw that throughout the whole church in the Philippines is they were just living their life with purpose, knowing the end goal, and just was willing to accept anything that the Lord was prompting them to do. Um, And another huge thing I learned was community and staying in community with our fellow believers. Like, it's important to pray every day and read our scriptures, but it's also really important to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ and lifting each other up every single day. You know, seeing their passion and wanting them, like, they're wanting to go to church every single day and spending their weekends there and living at church Like, if I could bring a couple things back, it'd be, you know, my mission hasn't ended just because we left the Philippines. But we live in a mission field here in Utah. Whether it's with our families, with our coworkers, or just anyone we meet in the body of Christ here, you know, God just wants us to be willing, and he'll do the rest.
0: Amen.
2: Awesome. She stole mine. That's okay. Uh, Chris, come on up, girl. Anywhere, anywhere you want, you know. You know, while she comes up, that living your life with purpose is something that, you know, Chase talked about. And we're going to talk about a little bit more at the end. I'll talk about it a little bit. But um, we are in a mission field here, right? And everywhere we go, we're called to be the light of Christ. And it's him doing it, not us.
8: I bring my second half, my other half. Um, we could have wrapped with Aubriana, right? She wrapped it up really well there. Um, what I was coming back with and was two things as well, and, and first was community. And the, just know that what Kevin and Shanna are doing over there is amazing. What they're doing is real. It's impacting lives daily. Uh, kids are coming off the street and just walking into this little area if they need something to eat. They know that they can be fed there. And... Um, every person in Kevin's church body, that little church body there locally that he's serving out of, they all know their place. They all know their purpose in the church. He doesn't have to tell them what needs to be done or what uh, what's coming next, how to plan an event. This was a huge event for their four-year anniversary. And he came up to me at one point and said, I asked him the order of how the night was going to go he goes I have no idea that's not my thing <laughs> and um, he goes I don't even know what it, you know, everybody has their, their part and uh, it will all just play out like it does so um, the hearts of the people that are in his little church are amazing they, they gave us every bit of their heart and they served us so well um, I'm thankful for them but really I, the, the other thing that I want to leave you with real quickly is look at this group They're all very young. We sent a very young group of loving young adults over there. And then there was Randy and I. (laughs) And uh, who got sick first? Me. So thank you for your prayers. But um, what I really want to say to you all to extend the word community is that you're our community. This is our church body. And I, what I heard this group of young people talk about a lot while we were there was wanting to bring back some things that they saw uh, in that community, how, how people came and they were part of their church body and they were eager to be involved in each other's lives. And, you know, let's bring this home. Let's do this here. And I would just urge all of you, if there's someone on this stage that you know, there's a young person on this stage that you know and you care about and you love and you want to know a little better... Reach out to them. This this was ten days, but it'll stay with them. Yeah, right. This is going to go deep, and there's some deep stirrings in these young people's hearts. So love them, be their community, reach out to them, and um, encourage them.
9: Okay. For um, this was really a stretch for us to go. Um, there were a lot of reasons why we had. Not to go, but we went, and um, uh, me and Chris have been doing this um, this devotion it 's one on one one hundred days with jesus, and uh, one of the things that before we left was um, in jesus day i 'm just reading this now to follow a rabbi as a disciple meant to walk so closely in his footsteps that you were covered with the dust of his feet and If you saw some of the pictures up there, we were doing church in the middle of the street in the Motorcycles were riding up and down in front of us and and um we were really out there in the dust and and we were um, it was just so neat to um to see these people just these young people just just show everybody over there so much love uh, uh, when we were working on the building and stuff like that, everybody was out there doing stuff, even cutting grass, which is like with i don 't even know what we were using but um a couple of, yeah, a couple of things that really, really impacted me were, was Aubriana with the babies was just like, she just had an attraction to them and people knew that she would take their babies and hold them and, and the halls with their, just their service mentality and, and Hannah, when she, when she gave, um, Reese that, um, that Bible, me and Chris were standing there watching and it was, I, I started crying. It was like, this is crazy what, what, how. How this is impacting this girl that that just stays there and works every day, and how much she serves us. And um, and then when Rebecca, I was watching because I was t- kind of standing at the gate when at the crusade, and I saw Rebecca kind of go over in the, um, on the side of the stage with Pastor June and just start working on. I don't even think they had the music ready yet, and and then she came out there and sang. It was just it was amazing, and um, and. Yeah, if, if you haven't been on a mission trip, go on a mission trip and definitely support the mission over there in the Philippines because there's 10 churches and those pastors are on fire. And last weekend, I made friends with a bunch of people on Facebook and where the picture up here where everybody was standing by the ocean, except for me and Chris, um, they were baptizing like 20 people out there the next weekend after we came home. So they're, they're, they're doing good things over there. Thank you.
2: Thanks, guys. My turn to share. Um, You know, I was going to share about the whole community aspect of things out there. Um, And I will share on that a little bit, but I also want to touch on something else really briefly. Community, right? Everyone in this room, if you are a believer is part of the body of Christ. Amen? Okay. And what that means is, is we have a bond through the blood of Christ that goes deeper than anything else, any other bond that we can think of, if we allow it to. Right? For me, it was, (coughs) excuse me, it was a heart and a mind change when it comes to the body of Christ. I've grown up in church as a lot of you know. And for the longest time I saw the church and this community as very important, but not as not as important as I should have seen it. We were meant for more than just living our daily lives and then coming here on Sunday, worshiping and then leaving and leaving it here. Right? Each and every one of us was predestined to perform magnificent works for the body of Christ. We were predestined to share the good news of Jesus to everyone we come in contact with. Whether that's through words, through actions, through a glance, a smile. And we can only do that effectively if we do two things, number one, hold on to Jesus, stay connected to the vine, right? Amen? And number two, if we encourage one another. We're only here on this earth for a limited amount of time. And then we're gone. And the way we live an effective life is by encouraging one another, by banding together by loving on one another, so we can love on the people who don't know God. Right? Amen? And I just see you guys in a whole different way. Because going out there to the Philippines, different culture, you know, they have different ways of doing things, obviously. But people lived at the church, people went to school, the young people went to school and came right back to the church, spent all day there. People went to work and they came right back. I'm not saying that that's what we have to do here on the daily basis. But what I am saying is we should view each other with such a love and compassion that we do anything for each other. That way we can be there for one another when we have to go spread the love of Jesus to those who don't know. Because there's so many. And you don't have to go to the Philippines to spread the love of Jesus. You can go to the grocery store. You can go to the gym. You can go to work. You can go to places here because people are starving for Jesus, even if they don't know it. So I guess what I want to encourage you guys with is invest that time here. Invest that time in people's lives. Love on one another. Give of yourselves because you're encouraging each other and you're enabling everybody here to go spread that love of Jesus and that's what it's all about amen alright Chase
0: Thank you. thanks Noah um and Jody did you want to close up but one of the one of the things I want to share with you guys and, and the reason we have the team stay up here is uh you know kind of coming back to my sermon again you know it was it was more than anything it was it was being a reflection of Christ in them, and that's what God is calling each one of us to do. Whether it's at our workplace, at the gym, um, when we go shopping, um, in our neighborhoods, with our family, whatever it is, is letting Christ show through us. And so, a couple of the challenges, and I'll let Jody clear, you know, close up with you guys. But if you've never accepted the Christ in you, and, and you're so wrapped up in your sin, or you so identify with your sin, you know, this morning's an opportunity for you to become free. And have Christ live inside of you. And, and, and be alive in you. And be able to, to be your everything. And Or if you're just a person that wants a little bit of prayer. And, and we have the team up here. Um, we also want to have that established for you guys. So go ahead and close her up.
10: Would you guys stand? Would you all stand? Well Father, we, we come before you. Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for these people who sacrificed, Lord, their their finances and their time and their energy and some of them their health to go around the world to share the good news, Lord, to share the gospel. Lord, and I pray that you would confirm to each one of them, Lord, their calling, their specific calling, um, who they are in the body of Christ, Lord, and for each and every one of us, Lord, I I ask for those who are sitting on the fence, Lord, that they would jump in headfirst and be a part of what you want to do um, in, in this church and in this community and in this state. Lord, and I just uh, I thank you that you, like Noah said, you, you prepared good works in advance for us to do. Even before the foundations of the earth, you were already preparing these things. You were calling us to that. And so, Lord, we offer ourselves to you. We give ourselves to you. We give you our hearts in Jesus' name.